LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for his glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the EST, the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. My name is Josh King. I'm recording from Central Arkansas, and on the show this morning, we have Mike Freeze and Spammy. Spammy, what's going on, brother? Man, I baptized my daughter yesterday. That's fantastic. At the beach. Mm. It, it just doesn't get any better than that. We had Sam beach. is uh, Sam's living his best life now. I think that's what we just heard. <laughs> you know, I was, and it's I not even like it's not even like a winter post. He he literally preaches there all year long. It's not just one of those. I have you a know, book northern idea. pastors that go down there during the winter. <laughs> I have a book idea. <laughs> no, um, it was a great day. Our church is in a good spot right now. We got still got just like everyone else's church. That's what this whole podcast is for. Right. Yeah, we still got a lot of work to do at West Bradenton, but uh, church is in a good place right now. And got to baptize some people. I saw saw a, a husband baptize a wife and mm-hmm. um, a a daughter, and then he turned around and baptized his dad yesterday. I mean, just that's cool. Yeah, it was just really, it's really neat. So, um, but that's not so, what this podcast is about. But I will not. share with the listeners. I mean, if if you're going to get all grumpy about me talking about baptizing my daughter, well, you know, can't do much for you. <laughs> you're uh, gonna have to deal. Yeah, just deal. <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> just deal. So for our listeners, we have a software where we kind of like we sign on, kind of like Skype, I guess, or something like that. But we don't see each other, and they each type in their name. Mine always says podcast host, but there's. Sam always comes up with something unique, and today it's spammy, which reminds me of a commercial where they're trying to tell you to put spam in tacos, and it's just not <laughs> What? Listen, I'm what? a spam fan. Spam's yeah. great. What? Uh, if you've never tried it, it's awesome. Is that my phone? I keep hearing one vibrate. Not me. But no, I can't find uh, it. Spam in um, mac and cheese. <laughs> Delicious. You're like a toddler. You wouldn't be the first person to say that, probably even today. <laughs> and it's not; it's eat. just ten o'clock. All right, so we have a guest on. I'm going to let Sam introduce our guest because he's your buddy. Yeah. So I, we, we've got Gary's been very quiet. He's been so good. Um, Gary uh, Moritz at City United Church, and he um, they have done an amazing work of revitalization there. So obviously, we're, we're we're the podcast for the established church, and part of being established. Many times, though not always, but many times is um, a need for revitalization. And most churches need revitalizing somewhere. Even if you've got a healthy church, likely if you have an established church, there is a particular area at a minimum that needs to be revitalized. And Gary's story is a fascinating story because um, basically the whole church needed to be revitalized in every single way. Um, and he has seen God do an amazing work there. And I'm not going to tell the story myself. So, Gary, tell us, give us just like a little bit of like the history of the church, um, kind of what was going on when you got there. And and then, you know, we're going to we're going to pepper you with questions that we didn't. Prepare well, for. well, before you do, do you like spam, Gary? 
I love spam. I grow ah, yes. spam and eggs. Yes. So this is the qu- requirement to be a friend of Sam's, evidently. Is, uh, <laughs> be a friend of Sam's. We got to eat Josh, spam. You and I are out, Josh. <laughs> That's All right, awesome. Gary, tell us your story. Yeah. So so thanks. It's great to be on with you guys and uh, to share my heart with what God is doing. You know, I never thought I'd ever find myself in this position, uh, being one, a lead pastor, and two, being a lead pastor of a huge undertaking of revitalization. And not only that, but being a pastor in New England, which is the specific area we're in, is one of the least Bible-minded areas in America. And so just like most people don't think about synagogue, or Christians think about synagogue on Saturday, most people up here don't think about church on Sunday. And it's quite a challenge. And so, you know, how did I end up in New England? And this is a question I get a lot. Uh, how did I wind up taking this church on? That's a question I get up frequently. And really, this question I've asked myself many times, uh, it's not an easy one to answer. Uh, just so you guys know, I didn't choose this for my life. I didn't have this on the plan of the day uh, for my life. I mean, God had a bigger plan in mind. And it all started one morning, mid-August of 2012, when God interrupted my devotions on a Saturday morning, and I was just reading like I normally do my Bible early in the morning, and I came to the book of Ephesians, and then right around chapter 5, verse 14, it says, uh, Paul's quoting from the Old Testament, and he says, therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And immediately after reading this verse, it seemed out of nowhere, God was clearly speaking to me, and he said, New England, and I started weeping at the point where I found myself crying over people I didn't even know and that I've never met. And it was early in the morning. I must have had a real good cry going on because my wife, Jana, heard me and she ran down the stairs in this panic. And she's like, are you okay? And I just found myself holding my chest, wiping my face. And she's like, you know, she asked me the great question. Are you having a heart attack? (laughs) I'm like, "Uh, no, I'm not having a heart attack. Uh, I I believe God just called us to New England. And her response to me was, Gary, today, you know, this morning, what are you talking about? She was confused. She was stunned. Uh, We had a very awesome job. Uh, I was on staff at a church in Washington, D.C. as an executive pastor. Loved it. Um, Had intentions of staying there for the rest of my life. And God had other plans for me. And so this kind of rocked my wife's world. And so we were getting ready to start the school year. Um, The house was absolutely crazy at the time. I had two little girls in school. One was in kindergarten. One was just starting just her elementary years. And we really didn't have time to go back to this conversation. And so what happened was I thought maybe I was having a nervous breakdown because I never had anything like this happen to me before. The call was so clear. And so what happened was... uh, we decided to head out to my parents' house, uh, my, my mom and dad-in-law's house, uh, outside of Washington, D.C., and it was just a great, quiet place tucked away in the woods, great retreat for our family. And so what happened was is here I am. I have a Skype call I was supposed to be on, so I, I just am trying to process what's happening, and I, I start praying, and I just said, God, just just show me. If, if this is for real, just show me what, what where you want me to go. And so what happened was, is I just felt like God was just telling me, like literally just giving me a name of, I didn't know if it was a place in New England. Um, it wound up being the, the pastor's name. I never met this guy in my life, had no idea, never been to New England, never, I don't have any connections there. Um, and so what was really strange was uh, God was telling me to call this pastor and 
I had no idea what I was supposed to do with that. Um, so I, I just said, okay. Uh, wound up finding crazy thing is that my my uh, mom and dad in law uh, were founders of this missions organization that's been working in the 1040 window for over 30 years, uh, front edge stuff, cutting edge stuff with missionaries. And so I found this list of churches in the Northeast, and the fourth person on that list was this church and the pastor's name and his cell number. And God's like, call this guy. And so, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know where our listeners come from, but I came from a, like a very ba- a Baptistic background. Uh, you know, I'm a first generation Christian. So most Baptists don't believe in stories like this. So, uh, <laughs> I was about to say, um, I think, you know, a portion of our listeners are going, come on, Gary. <laughs> right. Um, but there's another portion that are probably going, absolutely, we're right there with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so, so this, you know, this name is on the list. And so God's just like, you call this guy. And honestly, it was like calling a girl for the first time. I don't know if you guys ever experienced that where you got the, like the kind of frog no, in your throat. No, they'd be down my door. No, <laughs> no but I've, I've never thought of calling your pastor being like calling a girl for the first time. <laughs> well, that, the crazy but thing, it, he wasn't my pastor. So <laughs> it, yeah, it does kind of make sense, sort mm-hmm. of. But continue. So yeah, you, you yeah. called it. So you find this number, you find this name, you've been called to the Northeast, you find a church, there's a pastor at the church, and you give him a call. What 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 was that phone call like? Yeah, so so I just call up this guy, a real deep voice, you know, hello, and I said, Sir, you don't know me and I don't know you. And I just wanna make this clear up front, I'm not crazy. I just want to, God just told me to call you and share this story. And so I went back how I was doing my devotions and God just put his name on my heart. And so interesting enough, he listened to me. He's very patient. He listened to me for probably about 30 minutes. And I'm thinking the whole time, this guy thinks I'm crazy and it's okay. Cause I think I'm maybe crazy myself with all this happening to me. And so he began to say, you know, we've been praying and asking God to send someone to take over the work. And he felt strongly that he needed to wait on God and not solicit the position because they've done it in the past. The church went through multiple church splits. Um, they, you know, they, they they didn't make some of the greatest decisions. I mean, all, all leaders don't make the, the best decisions at the time, and uh, you know, because of that, the church later I found out was in major bankruptcy, owing close to three million dollars. And um, whoa, yeah, cra- crazy. And wait, did they build it and they didn't come? Correct. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and so Strange ha- how that keeps happening. Yeah. And, and in the eighties, I mean, I will say, I mean, it was an independent fundamental Baptist church. It was King James only, um, back in the day, uh, you know, th- that was a thriving movement with bus ministry and, and I mean, that was right. booming. And so what happened was the church really didn't change with the times or the culture around it. And it became antiquated and slowly, um, you know, it just started shutting down. Nobody was showing up and they had taken so much debt out. They didn't have the means to pay it off. And so it was just one thing after the next. And it led to the church practically closing. Uh, At the time, I didn't know all this information. Um, So he basically said to me, hey, why don't you come up and speak? And I had this really hard conversation with my, my pastor, who I'm very close with to this day. And uh, he says, Gary, sometimes God calls people to see if they're willing to go. And he's like, you just need to go and see what God is doing up there. And, and so I, I went up and uh, 
I had just finished uh, doing a, a ghostwriting project for a book. And so I just went up there and spoke on the book. And that's all I did. And I left and I thought to myself, man, this place isn't for me. I mean, everybody's wearing, you know, high, you know, three-piece suits and mm. um, hymn singing and, and the music was antiquated. I mean, it wasn't even up to date. And it, I just had a hard time with it. And I just said, man, I'm just not the right fit because our church is multi-ethnic, multicultural, church planting, multiplying. Um, I, I don't see myself fitting in this thing. And and so I was just very nice to them and, and just said, hey, thanks so much. It was great to be up here. And I went and took my family to Walt Disney. Uh, we had a great time. And uh, my wife was like, I'm glad that whole incident thing was over. And now we could start planning our life for the rest of our life here in D.C. Didn't work out that way. <laughs> uh, and so right around February of 2013, uh, I just really felt the hand of God come off me. Um, I wasn't feeling the joy anymore in the ministry. I was actually starting to feel miserable as if I was disobeying God. And God was just saying, you're not listening to me. I told you to go to New England. And it was just really strange. I mean, just things were not – doors weren't opening as they once were. Um, my, You know, just just the joy wasn't there when I walked into the office. I was looking more forward to the end of my day rather than the beginning of my day. Mm. And, that, and that was a good indicator for me. Um, something's not right, Gary. And uh, so basically I took my wife out to dinner and – which is – Learn from this, guys. This is not a good thing to do. So I took my wife out to her favorite restaurant and before she took a bite into her favorite meal, I said, I've got to obey God. We've got to go to New England. And uh, she dropped her fork and pretty much didn't talk to me for about four days. <laughs> I was about to say. That was the worst date ever. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> way, way to kill a mood. Uh, and her favorite. Gary, way to kill a mood. I am Mr. Romantics. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so what happened was is – she just said, I'm not going. And it was just flat out. And, you know, many times we like to hear, you know, from the Holy Spirit. And and I, I, I got to be honest, most of the time, the Holy Spirit sure sounds like my wife most of the time. So, mm. And uh, she's like, I'm not going. And so I pretty much was on my own with this burden on my you know, shoulders saying, God, what are you, you're messing my life up. Like, what are you doing? And I, I got into this kind of argument with God and I said, if you are the God of the universe, if you claim to be the sovereign God and you are bigger and and I know I read that and I believe that, but if you are, I said, I'm going to throw everything on the line. I'm going to pack my entire family up. We're going to sell everything and we're going to move to this dying church up in New England. And if it fails, everybody's going to know that you failed. Mm. And that's literally how it went. And God, of course, shows himself strong. I lost the argument. We packed up our stuff. We left. We headed up. And um, interesting enough, the, my wife was teaching at the time. And so my wife has about 20, 20 25 years of uh, paralegal experience in Washington, D.C. with working with many lawyers. And then she decided that she didn't want to you know, basically put people in jail. Instead, she wanted to move into more Christian education and put people – little kids a time out. Mm -hmm. And, so, and uh, so from at that time, she had just started a new career in teaching. And um, a little girl came up to her from Haiti. And gave her this. This sounds so crazy, right? My wife is struggling. What direction she should go in? And this little girl had Chinese takeout that that you know that day for lunch, 
and she, she says, Miss, Mrs. Moritz, she's like, God told me to give you this fortune cookie. And she's like, oh, thank you. You know, I don't really eat fortune cookies. And she opened it up. And I kid you not, she still has it on her computer. It says, you are heading in the right direction. That's exactly what it said. <laughs> and she broke down in tears. And God began to speak to her in her heart. And finally, a couple of days later, she started talking to me again. And she says, Gary, I, I think we need to go. And God's spoken clearly to me. And so from there, we started this journey and we moved up to New England. And when we got to the church, there was uh, less than 70 people. Uh, very, I mean, probably at max, there was about five or six kids there that would show up on Sunday. And it was pretty much my kids were in that mix when we came up. And it was median age was about 58. And it was very antiquated. And so we moved up there and I felt like I was, uh, you know, one, I felt horrible for, for, you know, it sounds strange, but I felt bad for listening to God because I was so, had so many connections in DC and I felt like I was letting so many people down from just walking away from them, especially my pastor who is my apostle Paul in my life. My, my, my senior pastor was just the guy who really came around me as a first time Christian and just poured into me the word of God and really discipled me. And so there was this separation taking place like that Paul and Timothy. And, and, and it was very hard for me. And I wept the whole way up to New England. My wife and I, we cried and we moved up here. And slowly God just started to work and miracle after miracle just transpired to get us to the point where we, where we are now. And there was a transition and a succession that took place. Uh, the founding mm -hmm. pastor was there. Uh, 40 something years, planted the church in 1974. And from there, um, that's what, what a really hard transition from the founding pastor to the next guy, because usually the next yeah. guy gets crucified. <laughs> so, right. uh, so tell us, tell us about the church on day one, because, you know, this is a lot of our listeners, you know, they, they come to a church, it's an established church, it's been around. Um, not everyone goes to a church after a founding pastor leaves, but you know, you may be following a longtime pastor sure. or you just may be following uh you know, a succession of little bitty tenures, you know, lots of pastors along the way. So tell us day one, when you walk through the door, what was the church like? Wow. Um, well, one was, is I had to change the, who I was when I came in. Um, their culture was totally different from my culture. And so I found myself going to the suit store and spending like close to a thousand dollars on suits because I didn't own a suit. And I felt like what's a suit store? I don't know. Men's Do warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so you know, one of the first things I did was open my account at Men's Warehouse and uh, <laughs> tried to fit in. And uh, one guy said to me, um, "It was a Sunday night. I walked in with uh, just jeans on because that's how people dress in D.C. It's usually a jacket, jeans, and black shoes, and it's the D.C. dress." And I, I walked in and he, this guy looked at me and he says, you know, if you're going to be respected around here, you need to put a suit on. Mm. And I looked at him and I said, well, it looks like I'm not going to be respected around here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, that, that was a, that was, I was like, wow, that's conflict like right off the bat. Um, so besides the dress, were there other things? Is this the yeah. church or the same church with the KJO or yes. was that the one in DC? No, no, no. Okay. Yeah. So this is, this is a church, a, K a King James only uh, church. Um and they Did, really what were those kind of changes? Did you adjust immediately or kind of ease things out? Or I mean, y'all might st still be KJO, I don't know, but 
No. So, so basically what I, I mean, naturally, even if I read out of a King James, I, I use what is called the GJV, the Gary John version, uh, because I have to kind of rework archaic words to them to make sense because that's, mm -hmm. for me, that's a point of communicating so people can understand really what you're saying. Right. And uh, so I started to move more into who I was, which is more of, you know, a, a, a topical expository storyteller to put people in the moment and to bring them to more life application. And so I just started to communicate that way. And then slowly, as I would read the King James, I, you know, I, I love the King James, but I don't necessarily use the King James. Uh, we, we tend to use like new, new King James version where we're at and sometimes the NLT, depending on what the crowd is like. Um, but yeah, so, so those are some transitions. So what I did was, is because I was, you know, connected to the academic world, I started to bring in Bible scholars to help these people understand that King James is not the only version. Um, there were other versions before the King James Bible. And so I brought in a great friend, Harold Rawlings, um, and he actually had one of the oldest Bible collections in the world. And so he brought all these Bibles in and explained the 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 progression of how we got to this point and the mm -hmm. and what a translation is and what a transliteration is and kind of walk through that and people were like wow we didn't know that and uh and what so about, yeah what about cultural things like so the dress and the the bible version are are fascinating i think a lot of people deal with that but what about just like and i would gary i would imagine that you know you're there in lunenburg mm -hmm. um i would imagine that suit and tie I, I, I don't correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I wouldn't imagine that's the community, is it? No, that's not the community. Actually, camo is the community. That's okay. <laughs> so that's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, and people people are just blue collar workers. Nobody wears a you know a, a suit unless you're a banker or an insurance salesman. Hmm. Um, so totally different. And, and talking about culture, there's definitely there was an inner culture mm -hmm. that was formed for years in there. And so I, I think one of the cultural changes was just me walking in uh, who I am uh, because I think every person brings a different persona to the culture. And I've had – you know, I had people that told me right to my face, I don't like you. Um, and I just thought to myself, that's fine. you know. Um, and, and so what I, I wanted to be careful was is I really didn't know because stuff started to get kind of weird. I, I didn't really know if I was going to take over this church or not. Even though it was communicated that I would be in a succession for two years, uh, there were some strange things happening, uh, conversations happening, past things that have happened where there was a person going to take over and then it was ripped from them. So I, had, I really didn't have many expectations when I walked in. Mm -hmm. I was really thinking about, God, why, why am I here? What do you want me to do and why do I need to do it while I'm here? And so then, let me yeah. let me let me get this straight. You were completely set up for failure. Um, Pretty much. You, I mean, so you you follow a longtime pastor. The church has an inside culture that's different than the culture around it. Um, the church is in bankruptcy proceedings, uh, and I know this from you and I talking earlier. Deferred maintenance is a terrible problem. You're sure. not even in the worship space. You're in the gym because you can't be in the worship space. Sure, it's leak, leaking all over the place. Sure, um, and. Uh, you know, you you have these back channel conversations happening with power brokers in the church. I mean, I think many of our listeners can relate to parts of your story, if not all of it. You were set up for failure. This is a complete disaster of a church. Now, that's my version, not yours, because I know you 
probably wouldn't say that about your own church. But this is a complete disaster of a situation. Maybe not a complete disaster for church. Complete disaster of a situation. What were the, like the top three things that got you out mm-hmm. of this? Yeah. yeah, those those are great questions. One is I, I you know this might sound so elementary. Just be me. Um, that alone, likeness attracts like. And so a lead pastor will attract the people who he's like. And so over time, what started to happen after a couple of months, I started to have people show up with like, now I, I pretty much shaved my head ever since the Marine Corps days. Um, but I had people showing up with like pink hair, uh, mm-hmm. piercings, people would walk through the doors, like, you know, just from hearing me. And so that alone started to, I started, there was this subculture starting to build. And the fact that I was young with kids. And so young families started to show up because they saw I was young with kids. And so they were looking for a connection. And then from there, that started to build. The second thing I started to do was, is behind the scenes without really disrupting anything that was already going on, was really thinking through the systems of the church. I'm a systems guy. And so really thinking through all these systems are not present. I mean, they have a system, but it's not working. And so really thinking through, okay, what needs to happen in the next five to 10 years here? And am I going to stay around? You know, I really had to answer that question. Am I going to stay here? Uh, There was points where I was ready to just walk away. Um, Some stuff that was said to me, um, you know, just, it's just like, wow. And so I would say systems for sure. Um, one of the, the other thing was is just how, how we did our worship services, uh, the, the music. Uh, the music was just antiquated and it was people were like, you know, the hymn books actually had duct tape on them. And so one of the things we did was uh, really just kind of re- start revitalizing the music side of things to bring people more vertically connected with God. A lot of personal testimonies, uh, people's lives changing. Um you know, th- these are just some things, but the values really didn't change in the church until about two and a half years of me actually taking over the church. And I didn't want to give the church values because I did not want to put a false label on what it was or what it was not. Hmm. And so I wanted the people to create the value system through their behavior. And so we created, you know, our our values came directly out of who we were. And right from the, you know, right from the beginning of everything, I, I pretty much came up with my own phrase, AT&T. I said, we're authentic, we're transparent, and we're transformational. And these are the three things we live by. Uh, I started, I was communicating authentically. I didn't communicate like a preacher or a Baptist, independent fundamentalist Baptist preacher. I started to communicate for the people in the seats. And they started to invite their friends. And they said, you got to hear him. We, we understand him. We get what he's saying. He's helping us. And so, you know, it's from, it was more from the, the changes that happened were really the changes I could control. The changes I could not control really took place over time when people started to like leave and people were like, well, we don't like you. We like the old pastor. And, you know, I mean, statistically, I mean, it probably takes about five years before people start calling you their pastor. And, and just over time, um, those types of things started to change. We really focused in on children's ministry. That started to become a huge focus. Uh, my wife reminded me, she says, Gary, I should 
give you that picture to always remind you our first Christmas Eve service. The church really never did a Christmas Eve service. And so we decided we were going to do one for the first time. And I got so much kickback. People were like, we're not Catholic, we're Baptists. And I'm like, what does it have to do with anything? And uh, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> it's also incredible because, you know, I've gotten kickback from not doing the East, uh, the Christmas Eve service. And you get kickback from me. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, service. but like, it just shows you like, there are parts of this country that are like, that is in the Bible. And then there's other parts that it can't be in the Bible. You know, it's, Listen, just, it's I, not in the Bible, but it might as well be. I still, <laughs> I still want to go back to the fact that their hymnals were covered in duct tape. And that I know, was, right? that that was that in Massachusetts, not Alabama. <laughs> right. That, that image, like, uh, why, why, who, what, at, at what moment did the church say, we, we need to put duct tape, duct tape on the hymnals. Is that because they were well-worn or, you know, and well-used? Or is it because, you know, we're, we're, we're that bad? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just so many images that that brings to mind, that symbol of duct tape hymnals. I mean, mm. you know, somebody somebody needs to do – somebody needs to write a book about that or something, Micah. You, you're, you're writing books now, so you, yeah. should, you should write the duct tape Sam, I'm pretty sure book. you have a publishing company, so <laughs> I do. There's that. I do. And, and listen, if you're going to sell a lot of copies, I'd be glad to, to publish it. I can picture the cover looking like there's duct tape on the, the binding there. But I think so, we I think it's important to see what you talked about there. That's the same thing I think I've done. I know that that's what Micah and Sam have done, just being like genuine and authentic, changing the underlying systems because a lot of people focus on the attractional crowd part, but you were sure. working on those systems. And then you brought a culture out from what was already there, but highlight the positivity, uh, the positive things, authentic, transformational, those sort of things. I think that's wildly uh, successful strategy to take instead of focusing so much on like, hey, we're going to get rid of the hymns. We're going to change our name immediately. How long have you been there? Uh, it's going on since since I moved up here six years. And so, so I, six I, years before you changed the name of the church, which correct. a lot of younger revive pastors are thinking – I got to go in there and kill the choir and change the name like week one. And they're going to kill you. Right. right. You end up being the, the victim and not the successor there. What's so, one yeah, last – I mean, we're like right yeah, up against Gary, the time. Where, oh, tell us about where you are right now because I know you had a, a great Easter. Easter at the time of this recording was um, a, a little over a week ago. Um, just tell us where your church is at right now. Yeah. So Easter, we were over 700 people. Wow. On Easter, we we ran four gatherings, and so that's not our average. You know, Easter is always higher, mm -hmm. um, so we always use Easter as the springboard for the fall. So, and just way to connect between Easter through the summer, and then bring them back in the fall. And so, usually, our average—I mean, I'm probably shooting low here, but I'm just going to go off the cuff. Probably our average worship attendance, I would say, is around the 350 mark. Mm. probably over 350. Mm -hmm. um, and so the average person comes to church here one time a month, roughly. And so people will watch online. They'll engage online. Uh, our online numbers are, tend to be high. Sometimes uh, people still give through online giving as they're watching. So that's a really good connection. Um, and so so, so that's that's about where we're sitting. Our giving's gone through the roof, man. Uh, we, we, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're because we're, you need a new roof. Yeah, we do. We need we need a new everything. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, so our our giving's gone just skyrocketed, and so we've really broadened out. We used to have this little. When I first got there, there was this little tiny like 
Lutheran type Sunday school kid envelope. And so I said, I changed the giving envelope. And then I started also to change different ways you can give. So we have, I think it's like six different ways now uh, that you can be part of a partnership with us and, and really finding the vision bigger than just our church, but our community. And so what I keep reminding the people is, you know, we honor the past, but we just don't stay there. There's bigger things yet to come and people don't give to the past. They give to the future. And so since we've been here, we've broadened our reach in the public school systems. We've been helping in the homeless community. We've helped with with fire victims. Um, where Just this past Easter, uh, we every Easter I do uh, because we, we want to see a project rise in our community. So we kind of you know, springboard off the resurrection. So there's this uh, skate park they're trying to build for all these teenagers. And so we've gotten behind that. And we've, we took a, you know, obviously a, co- a collection of money. Uh, we had the skate park kids show up at our church who normally don't go to church. And so we, we just really involved the community. And, and so instead of us being on an island by ourselves, we, we really spent a lot of time building bridges into the community and being on the street and talking right. with people. And and that's really been the game changer because when people invite people, it's not because the pastors ask them. It's because the people are actually doing the inviting right. and bringing the people. Gary, we are out of time. How can people connect with you offline? Yeah. So people can connect with me on the gram uh, mm-hmm. at Moritz Cracker. Uh, cool. That's also uh, on Twitter, same thing. And then there's just a like page on Facebook. I'm not really on Facebook. Uh, there's just a cool. general like page there. But yeah, it's great. Man. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for being on the show today and sharing your story. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah. Before we let you go, just want to tell you about New Church's Q&A. It's a podcast with Daniel M., Ed Stetzer, Todd Atkins. Talks about, of course, New Churches, answering your questions. Find it on any sort of podcaster that you subscribe to. Give them a listen. They're part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. We'll catch you next week. Thanks so much. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. EST is proud to be a part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network.